Hi there, welcome to or welcome back to the Shift Control Podcast. My name is Paul McAnallen. Thanks for joining me. Episode 3 of this series and number 32 in total. Guest this week is um, Hans Enixon. Hans is a serial entrepreneur. Um, as the name would suggest, he's not from these parts, but he has made Ireland his home for the last five years. He's a friend too. I met him uh, about five years ago when he set up uh, his data storage business in Belfast and his most recent venture is a watch business. Um, Enix and Watches is a brand that he has set up collaborating with um, the guys down at Big Motive, uh, one of the leading digital ideas factories in Ireland. And the brand is really beautiful and I think it's um, very fitting for what looks like a very beautiful watch brand. So data storage and watches are not really synonymous with Belfast, but maybe we can't say that again. I um, hope you enjoy this podcast. Um, Hans can be reached through um, enixonwatches.com and it's maybe worth taking a look at the watches if you get a chance while you listen to the podcast. So thanks for listening and here right. we go. Hans, good morning. Morning. Um, thanks for your time this morning. Just before we went on air, we were um, given kind of a state of the nation address on Brexit and um, I think one of the things that people don't really take into account when they talk about Brexit is the number of people from foreign countries who come in to places like Northern Ireland and settle and add value and generate revenue for the economy, people like yourself. Right. Yeah. Um, how long have you been here? Um, five years now. Five years and a bit. Five years. So feel well settled. Yeah, I I know you've been here for five years because I met you five years ago. So um, that's right. I, but I suppose it's for the people listening just to um, tee things up a little bit. You set up a business five years ago. Um, well, let me just you tell your story. What brought you here? Yeah, that's um, <clears throat> my background is is in IT, and I've been um, spending most of my career in in IT, uh, more specifically. Uh, data storage and, and data centers and um, by 2012 I had sold a business uh, which operated out of England and was trying to figure out what to do and was determined never to go back into IT again <laughs> but um, I ended up at a trade show in Amsterdam uh, September 2012 and ran into an old friend that we sat there and had some food and too much to drink and then we sort of developed this business, this final roll of the dice, which was called Rockstar. And um, it's a business that operates in data storage, which is a space, as I think you said it yourself years ago, that uh, if data storage is your favorite, favorite pastime, you should probably get out more often. So data storage is... Um, it's not very sexy, it's a hard sell, so uh, the bid was to try to, to spice it up a bit and make, make it relevant and make people think about it because it is, it is, it's a hard sell. Mm -hmm. So um, I crafted a business plan which I circulated to a number of people and it ended up in the hands of a fellow Dane who was working for, for a venture capital firm which had interests in Ireland. Northern Ireland more specifically and he um, he liked the plan and thought that, that I should come up and take a look at, at Belfast uh, as a potential location for this new business um, so I did and uh, travelled up at the beginning of um, what was it 2013 had a look around thought we could do it here why not we had negotiations about investment and we secured investment into the business so by the summer of 2013 um, the idea from Amsterdam had actually become a business, which we then launched in October 2013, uh, hiring local people and um, finding some very uh, early wins, some, 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 some big names signed up for what we were doing, which was um, very encouraging. One of them being um, the post-production outfit that, that is responsible for everything that relates to Game of Thrones. They were one of the early adopters of our technology. So uh, a lot of other production, post-production companies down in uh, the Republic, specifically in Dublin. Uh, so we, we 
provided storage platforms for some very high profile TV uh, and feature films. So that's sort of the, the, the short the short version of that. You um you define it as a as a hard sell, but that's probably an understatement. It's um it's a very uh like the old story about nobody gets sacked for buying IBM was written for the space. Yeah and and and, and, and even more so actually because if you know a little bit about IT infrastructure, you know that there's 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 the part that, 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 that the clients, the users are experiencing, and then there's all the things that happen in the background. And uh, the storage is where everything begins and where everything ends, but it doesn't get that kind of the recognition when it comes to investment. People can relate to buying some beautiful Mac uh, computers and they don't really want to spend money on storage if, if they can help it at all. It sort of it depends on the, the, the type of business, but larger businesses have, have a good understanding of, of the needs for good storage, but particularly the SMEs that, that we are targeting with this business uh, lack that understanding, lack that desire to, uh, to invest in, 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 in proper storage because it doesn't really, it, it doesn't, it doesn't really increase efficiency of the business or make the business more competitive. It's a must-have, but it's 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 the unlocked uh, red-headed stepchild, pretty much. In yeah, um, I'm I'm minded. I know you mentioned the local post-production company, but there were some other fairly notable successes in terms of sales and um, some of the major broadcasters, some of the uh, entry broadcasters of this last three or four years. Um, are enjoying the benefits of Rockstar products even as we speak now. Um, five years on, where does the brand sit? It's still going. It's sort of uh, some of the systems that, that, that were sold five years ago are still going strong. And this the, the company is, is, is still operational and is about to get quite a boost in terms of um, its activity level and fresh investment into the business because it's something that you need to keep investing in all the time in terms of developing the software and obviously developing the marketing you reach. So that's something that's been addressed, albeit with other people driving it on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm still involved, but uh, not as not 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 as as as, as visible as I, as I used to be. What would you, looking back five or five years on, what would you have done differently? Would you still have come to Northern Ireland? Would you still have set up in Belfast? Yeah, but it's yes and no, because Rockstar attracted investment, which at that stage I thought was, was a decent pot of money. But I realize now that the people that we're competing with, companies that started at the same time, uh, companies that started after us or earlier, attracted 50 to 100 times more money than we did as sort of the, the, the pre-launch investment. And we should have asked for far more money. It's, uh, it, would, it, would have made, it would have made it easier. And I know it's easy to say that you could just pour money at things and then uh, the magic happens. That's, that's not true. But to do something like that, the way it should have been done, it would have, would require far more working capital than we ever had. Yeah, so I'd, have, I'd, have, I would, I'd have asked for more money, which I wouldn't have have, have, have received most likely. And if I'd have been hell-bent on doing this, I'd put the business uh, on the US West Coast, where businesses like this start up every day and get $50 million for a project like this. Yeah, yeah. I know it's um you talk about the burn rate and even been involved in the project for the first uh, maybe the first eighteen months or whatever, um, bucking the system and going against the grain of traditional and conventional data storage selling was refreshing to watch and you could see that that business model would have worked and will still work where you've got really fairly well refined um. Telephone sales, ultimately it's telephone sales, you're ringing telephone sales. Yeah, because we were, at, th at that stage, uh, the sort of uh, best practice, or uh, not best practice, but most used practice among people in this industry was to 
to set up websites and uh, pay pay Google a uh, fortune and in the hope that somebody would would, would find their way to um, to the website and ultimately make contact with the business and even going as far as basically monitoring people who are visiting the website and then giving them a call afterwards. Uh, but we thought that the conventional way of saying um, we know who we're selling to. We're selling to rich, uh, rich content. So basically, uh, media and entertainment that be broadcasters, post-production, advertisers, the lot. We knew who they were. We knew where they lived. We were smart enough to find their phone numbers, and uh, we uh, hired the likes of yourself to uh, make sure that we uh, we had a good script and and, and and a good process in place to uh, to reach out to these companies, and it worked. Mm. Thanks to you. It, uh, it it worked it worked a treat uh, the the uh, the reception of uh, of the phone calls that we placed uh, was overwhelmingly positive and I put that down to uh, there being well well trained staff uh, well crafted uh, scripts but also the fact that at that stage back in 2013 2014 it was a bit like the guards were down a bit because people had stopped phoning, uh, cold calling was, was, was completely out of fashion. Nobody call, called uh, businesses with a view to sell something. It was emails predominantly and, and online spying. So the, gate, the gatekeepers weren't quite in place as much as they would have been, which meant that we went through the system fairly unnoticed, uh, which was, was, was good and refreshing. I just I'm well, I'm really keen to talk about your new project. Um, but um, again, I'm minded of a certain email that one of the guys sent to ITV. Yeah, I believe we uh, we challenged them to say, okay, here's here 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 the, here the companies that you have to call. But could you could you try and pick a dream customer, a sort of a fantasy yeah. customer? And I believe one of the guys picked ITV, and uh, he was coached by yourself at that stage, and. There was an email, basically, which would be an unsolicited email uh, drafted, and we knew his name, but we didn't know his email address. So <laughs> we put together all all likely combinations: his first name, his uh, his surname, his um, his initials, a combination. I think five, six, seven, eight combinations mm-hmm. were, were attempted, and it turns out, it turned out that his email address was simply Archie at itv.com. <laughs> <laughs> and Archie received that email and alerted uh, somebody uh, uh, f- further down the system to to uh, the existence of of, yeah. of of us. And I went over and had a, a meeting with, with 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 some of the the tech staff. And there was just in the, in, in the build up to uh, uh, the World, World Cup, World Cup two thousand fourteen, and they had a technology freeze coming up, basically, which means that. that they 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 were big operator for for, for, for the World Cup twenty fourteen, so nothing had to, could be changed on the IT infrastructure. That's right. For, for, for the fear of some something interfering or, or damaging uh, uh, their uptime, so we just managed to squeeze in a rockstar system uh, bef- before uh, the technology freeze, and they tested it for a while. And it went well, and they ordered a system, and shortly after they ordered another one, which was. Mm-hmm. Major coup, obviously. That just doesn't happen to startups. Then you get to, to trade twenty thousand uh, pound storage systems to um, a, a world famous broadcaster yeah. like ITV. And it doesn't happen that you should sit and consider ten or twelve different permutations of an email a underscore underscore a everything and all all based on on what Sean had seen in the book. He was reading the book on Steve Jobs and Steve's. Steve Jobs' email was Steve at stevejobs at apple dot com, yeah. and and Sean said, "Well, why is his email like, like that?" You know, and he just set off on his merry way, and um, yeah, I mean, it was an interesting um, experiment in in old school or, or conventional, maybe more conventional um, sales methods. Moving from then to now, um, I maybe tee this part off by suggesting that maybe Belfast isn't the hotbed of watchmaking. Um, so your new project is Enix and Watches. That's right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a story. Yeah, that is. Already, it's quite a story already. 
Well, it was... Um, watches has always been a passion of mine, I sort of collect at a modest level. And um, I follow that market intensely. And um, as I said before, 2012, I swore that I would never do IT again. And, um, but I did, so I thought, okay, I would like to work in a different uh, way. I would like my, my life structured differently uh, and basically get out of the hamster wheel, which most of us are in every day, basically, or get up in the morning, go to work, work all day till late, go back and do, do it all over again. So I thought there must be, there must be a way to generate uh, a decent income uh, by doing something I really care about, something that I'm passionate about which is not sadly the case with data storage. Mm. And that thought uh, led to the next, which was, okay, watches. Why don't you, uh, why don't you set up a watch business? And I uh, looked at it and uh, one of the things that's significant about watches and jewelry for that matter is that, that the margin structure is, is something you can only dream of in, in the IT industry. Mm -hmm. And the, the markups are just ridiculous. And that's all, there's obviously a good reason for that because many of the watch brands that we all know spend fortunes on marketing every year and that obviously comes out of uh, the proceeds from the sales of the watches, which, which requires that there is a hefty profit on the product. But I thought, could we try and make something that's, that's a proper watch uh, a watch I would wear myself if I wasn't wearing my usual stuff, but a watch that would cost a fraction of what I would actually pay for a watch under normal circumstances. And so, so the, 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 the price was inspired by what, what does a smartwatch cost? Uh, what does an Apple watch cost? What does the service on a Rolex cost? Two unrelated things, but that, there seems to be Smartwatches is, in my opinion, a, a, a fad. Uh, I don't think that people long term are going to run around with computers on their arms. One thing is we have our smartphone, but you need another mini smartphone uh, strapped to your wrist that doesn't really behave like a watch. It can tell time, but it's really a, a little portable computer which needs contact to the outside world and which needs charging all the time. So I wanted a watch which was sort of an analog uh, bit in the digital world which was affordable and which would, would have a look and a feel you wouldn't otherwise get for that kind of money. So that was that was sort of the, the, the working title, sort of the, the headline for this project. So I started looking around and I ended up in Switzerland and I ran into a company who specialize in making utility watches, tool watches for armed forces, police, anti-terrorists, corps, um, military, everything under the sun, Coast Guard. So basically watches which are made to a very high standard, a very high spec, but still at a, at a price point that's affordable because I know the world thinks that every fighter pilot in the world has a 10 grand Rolex, but he doesn't. And those, those days are long gone. Uh, the average military watch is costing maybe $100 because that's, that's mm -hmm. the level of investment that's put behind stuff like that. But uh, I had an idea for a design for a watch, which is basically a diver's watch, sort of always wanted for myself, but had never really seen done like that. And I briefed uh, the Swiss company on that, and they were quite happy to, uh, to do a relatively small production of that. So I thought, okay, let's go. So we put that into production last autumn, and uh, I teamed up with Big Motive, one of the, the local operators in brand building and, uh, and marketing, and we brought the company to life. The intention was not to call it Enochson, I don't like that kind of publicity, but they convinced me that uh, it had to have a name that uh, we could, um, that, 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 that was genuine, not just an invented name, mm. but something where there was, there was a true story. Uh, my Scandinavian roots would would sit well with this. They found, and um, so we went with it. So uh, we launched this company, and it was 
just done on the haunch, as you can appreciate, but it's taken off uh, at an unprecedented level. Because one of the other things that was essential, a watch is just a watch until you attach a story or a person to the watch. And um, I hooked up with um, with a former top tennis player called Michael Pernforce, who's a Swedish guy who now lives in America, who's still active in, 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 in tennis circles and who's played the French Open finals back in, in the 80s and who in tennis circles is very well known. And uh, Michael was quite keen to um, to get involved in this and uh, I challenged him to design a watch, basically gave him sort of a basic template and said what would this look like if, if, if you were behind it and he thought about that. And I did the same with with the, with the guy that I've known for many years, a French male model called Bernard. And you wouldn't know his name, but you would have seen his face if you followed fashion for the last 30, 40 years. The coolest man on the planet, in my opinion. <laughs> and Bernard did the same. And um, so we, we brought out a watch, sort of a special edition, Bernard uh, special edition, uh, Michael special edition, and a couple of other watches. and. Uh, we launched this for real back in August uh, at an event at uh, at Ormobath, and the turnout has been in, in, incredible. And so has so has the the audience. Interestingly enough, this is a watch which retails around three four hundred pounds, <coughs> which is nothing to a watch connoisseur at all. It's 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 just uh, it's just chump change. You can't get your Rolex serviced for three hundred pounds. Mm -hmm. So, who would buy this watch? Uh, I had an idea of who would buy it, but it turned out that, that the people buying this watch were people with expensive watches already, who were looking for sort of an everyday alternative to to just to, to to not overuse their their their, their precious Rolex or whatever they have, or people who are in jobs where okay I got a twenty grand Rolex I'm seeing a client who's in distress now I'm a solicitor. I'm not going to wave my 20 grand Rolex in his face when he's about to lose his, his home and everything. So I could do with a watch that still uh, underpins who I am and, and, and uh, uh, my perception of myself, but doesn't suggest 20 grand or something like that. My watches look, you, when you look at them, you don't know how much they cost. They look expensive, but not in the blingy way. They look expensive in a solid uh, craftsmanship kind of a way, but not... But they aren't, and that that seems to attract people who are looking for travel watches as well. Some two weeks ago, a good friend of mine got got uh, got robbed in Barcelona and had his um, has had his Rolex taken away from him at gunpoint. So it happens everywhere. People have a newfound awareness of don't go on holiday, don't go into uh, to, to 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 the to the danger zones of this world wearing a watch which makes you a target, and it doesn't take much to become a target. Rolex in particular is, is not a brand you want to flash anywhere unless mm. you know exactly where you are and who you're with. So this, this is not a this isn't a, the the ideal medium to be talking about something so visual, evidently. But no, you're know. underselling the watch in a big way. So, um, can you give some detail on how what what the mechanics of the watch are? Because I've got one in my hand, and the website is enixon.com. Enixonwatches.com. So for those people that are listening, um, and you can multitask, take a juke on the website and get a look. Uh, follow their inter Instagram feed and take a look at it. But the watch mm -hmm. is really a really formidable piece, and you're as likely to be held up for this as you are for the, for a Rolex because it's really easy on the eye. Yeah, but the the difference is, my watches are not branded on uh, on the watch face, or if they are, it's a it's a very subtle branding, which means that, okay. It's it, it 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 looks expensive, but it it doesn't say Rolex or Breitling or Omega or Tac, and that's that's one of that, that that's that's one of the benefits of this. And I think that means a lot to the people who are buying it. That, that this 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 way of being discreet, having something that is a bit of a mystery watch. You can't place it. You haven't seen it before, and nothing on of nothing suggests five grand, ten grand or anything uh, similar. So it's sort of it's sort of understated in, 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 in a good way. Uh, we've obviously even the even the the, the 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 least expensive watch we sell 
it's an automatic. It's it would have a sapphire crystal. It's made of the best steel money can buy, and it has it sort of ticks all the boxes that you would want ticked for what you buy, but you never get ticked for uh, at this price point usually. Yeah, and you you've you've evidently asked all the questions that maybe many customers or consumers just won't ask, but but when they see it, they're they're um, they become inquisitive. Once they see the watch as to where it's come, come from, what is the origin, what is the brand, what quality, uh, what is it made of and how much does it cost and, and um, that, that spark, spiking a customer's curiosity is as valuable as anything else. Yeah, there's, there's sort of, there's sort of a, a, a new kind of man out there at this day and age and he's called the watch nerd and a surprising amount of people have a newfound interest in watches and have, I'm nerding around about this and I'm really interested in those details that nobody gave us about five years ago. Mm. So there's a lot of people who are nerding around. And one of the things that I, I, I wanted to achieve with this was that everybody aspires to a nice watch, pretty much. But let's face it, you've got a couple of kids, you've got a mortgage, you, you, you're married, you've got, you, you got, you got a job. And just to pull five, ten grand out of the budget to buy a watch, probably going to get you divorced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's it's it's, it's there, there, there there will be some 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 serious uh, questions raised uh, over dinner if you come home with your seven grand watch because you felt you always you always deserved a Rolex, you always wanted a Rolex. I don't think your wife is going to sympathize. On the contrary, I think she's going to produce a shopping list as long as you like with things that you should be buying instead. Yeah. And in fairness, most of us shouldn't be spending seven grand on a watch. Mm -hmm. So here's a, here's, a, here's a nice placeholder you could buy until the day you feel that the time is right to do this. This gives you some of the virtues of, of high-end watch ownership. It gives you the features, gives you the look and feel, gives you the quality, and it gives you so the, the, the same technology but at a fraction of the price. Big Motive have definitely created a, a visual interpretation of the brand befitting of the product itself there's no doubt about that and yes um, you have a very strong online presence with your instagram your social media channels and, and your website but you're um you've mentioned michael as a brand ambassador you have other plans ahead for brand ambassadors for the product yeah indeed we're we're taking a quantum leap uh in terms of of uh, ambassadors and um, so you don't have, just to cut in you don't have to talk about this one because this because no, like it is it is a this is a good this is a good place to uh, but to, for, to maybe to tear it up a bit like because the the Belfast is a kind of a, a strange little place at the minute politically and you know it's a fucking backwater right so if you're logically going to decide and doing anything the the reason to set up a, any kind of business here twice. You know, a lot of people are making it just not easy for you. You know, most of the people that you'd expect to welcome this are, are not making it easy for you. And you're, you're on the cusp of bringing some serious names into into Belfast, maybe within this 24-hour period. Um, right. You know, so it's uh, it's important to tee this up and um, to acknowledge the fact that I think in my head, startups aren't just about tech businesses for a start. I think startups are businesses that start and the people that go twice uh, deserve uh, an acknowledgement because it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a brave move to go once, to go two times is, 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 is an exceptional thing. Um, but I, I think, I don't, have you been received well in Belfast? Did the launch went well? I was at the launch, it was a, it was a magnificent turnout, but as, how's the feedback been? The feedback's been good and uh, it's been received really well. There's been, there's been good media coverage and I actually think that Belfast welcomes a startup which is not a, a tech startup writing another app that nobody understands the purpose of. This is this is this is nice and tangible. It's a watch we can relate to that, and uh, yeah. that's that's sort of that seems to endear uh, the project to uh, to the region. Yeah, I think it's I I personally think it's it's brilliant. The um, so the two brand ambassadors for the product you've already mentioned, there's a third one in the offering that's already, it's underway, it's, a, it's not a work, in, it's a work in progress, right? No, no, it's a done deal. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, everything's finalized and uh, it sort of, it, it takes a step. Uh, not only is, is, is it, uh, is it uh, an insta instantly recognizable name, it's also not a man 
it's um, it's a woman. It's uh, I just like we talked about before with with uh, with the ITV story and how we asked uh, the rockstar staff to come up with, with sort of a, a, a fantasy dream uh, customer. I've sort of done the same. Uh, my my dream ambassador uh, was this person. Not only is she uh, world famous and from well, she's she she's from from royalty almost in 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 the sense that her family pioneered and and developed completely this 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 area that she still operates in. She is an environmentalist. She is a great personality. She's beautiful, and she is somebody I would love to work with, but didn't ever envision having the chance to be talking to even in, in person. So I, craft, <laughs> I crafted an email and sent it uh, to her to an address that I hope she would see. And then she responded. Did you take seven or eight different versions of her name? And No, I didn't because she is, uh, she is, she's, she's fairly big on social media. So uh, I knew where to, where to, to, to look. But she's a person uh, of, of a magnitude that would have people managing her social sure. media presence and not being involved, which was also the case here. But but the gentleman who uh, manages her social media affairs was kind enough to uh, to pass on the note, and uh, we met up in uh, in Berlin uh, back in June for an introduction, and um, I said told her what, uh, what what I had in mind and she thought about it and we met again and we met again and we did a deal which is not just about her designing a watch which was my initial that's where I started because I I've, I wanted to make a Dios watch for women which was uh, thought out and conceived by a woman and not just a small version of a man's watch which is usually what you get. And yet something with, with, with a utility kind of perspective. A watch that women would, would wear sort of on an everyday basis. But you could take diving because that's originally what it's made for. So a, a purpose watch again. That's That was my initial brief to her. But it soon turned out that um, she had another agenda as well. And uh, that has led to something called Oceans 2050. And... Um, 2050 is a significant year because it's 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 expected that unless the the trend of dumping plastics into the oceans is 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 is, is changed now and um, if we don't stop polluting uh, the oceans by 2050 there will be more plastic than there will be marine life in the oceans which is obviously intolerable and that's her course and uh, we've set up a foundation which. Enox and Watches is uh, part of, uh, which is called Oceans 2050, which is designed to to uh, be her platform to communicate with the world. Oceans 2050 is going to do expeditions. Uh, Oceans 2050 is going to do podcasts, keynotes, and all sorts of events and activities to raise awareness uh, uh, about these matters. And um, the proceeds from the sales of one of the watches that we're going to bring out, uh, the collaboration is going to go straight into Oceans 2050. And we're basically, we're trying to form a partnership which could last for the next 32 years because we, we have 2050. We, 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 we want to prove that 2050 is not going to be like 2050. Yeah. Do we get a, a name drop here? Um, yeah, yeah, that's probably appropriate now. Because um, you mentioned you mentioned heritage and um, ro sort of royalty in this space, um, and I think if you mentioned um, deep sea diving and underwater exploration, there's probably maybe one or two names that spring to mind in terms of royalty and. There's really heritage. only one name. Really only he's, one. Yeah. He's 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 got himself and ground zero for everything that relates to underwater exploration. And yeah. It's obviously Jacques Cousteau. Yeah, and this is Jacques Cousteau's granddaughter. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, she is. Um, her name is Alexandra, and she has sort of carried on the legacy. Um, her father worked with Jacques uh, Cousteau uh, 
basically both on all the TV productions and and sort of the world conservation uh, projects wow. that, that they did. And uh, unfortunately, uh, her father, his name is Philippe, uh, died in a plane crash, aged uh, 39, back in, uh, in the 70s, where well, Alexandra was just a little girl. And she's grown up uh, with her mother, who wasn't in, in, in the plane crash, obviously, but very close to her granddad, uh, the great Jacques Cousteau. So she was sort of getting this from a very early age. She was scuba diving when she was seven, and uh, she has made it her cause to carry to, to, to carry on the legacy. So she is she's deeply attached to the Cousteau legacy, but she's also a person in her own right with her own agenda. And Ocean's 2050 is to say, okay, we got the period from right after World War II when Jacques Cousteau began his, uh, his, his endeavors until now. And then what happens from now on is we're using that legacy uh, to create a better future because at some point our kids will look at us and say, how could that happen? Because uh, the underwater world that Jacques Cousteau dwelled into in 1947 was completely untouched, untarnished. And it's basically taken us since the 40s, the 50s to completely pollute the shit out of everything. And that's done in one generation, which is, which is quite an achievement. Mm -hmm. there, are, there are plastic islands floating around in the Pacific, the size of Texas. And it, it is an enormous problem. And it's, it's a problem that can't be, you can't just say, we're not gonna dump any more plastic, or why don't we pick up the plastic? That's, it's too late for that, because plastic in the sea turns into microplastic you got you got you got you got marine life animals that we eat fish that feed the plastic it's back, back into the fridge yeah. yeah so basically you're eating the plastic you dumped in there in, yeah. in, in the sea yourself yeah. so all you can do you, you you can clean it up and then you can stop uh, further contamination and basically recreate uh, marine life by by creating a, a, a better environment and stop the way that that, that we use plastic because Plastic ends in the sea. Uh, the, 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 the biggest culprit here would be six Asian rivers from which 75% of all plastic streams into, in, into the oceans. So the problem is not as, 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 as big where we are geographically, but it's still a problem. And it's obviously down to the way that food is distributed at this day and age, because you go back a hundred years, everything was produced at source and consumed at source. So. You went to the grocery store and you bought you bought your fruit, your your veg, your your meat or whatever you you needed to buy, and you carried it home and you ate it there, and it was pretty much made there. So there was not like not a case of okay, this is made in on one location in this country and needs to be distributed. It needs to be it to get it from A to B to 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 the final point of consumption is 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 going to require a set number of days. It's going to it, it, it's going to rot before it gets there. So that's that's how all this plastic was, came about in the, in, in the first place. Mm. Is you, you need to contain all that food that, that we distribute, all these products that we that, that we distribute from, 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 from a central distribution point out to the consumer. So the, what Ocean's 2050 is going to do is, is to challenge the way that these food manufacturers uh, distribute the product challenge them to come up with better ways to uh, to uh, to use packaging which which is recyclable and that that actually can go again create a circular uh, uh, economy rather than a linear economy because a lot of these products that's not just food that's also clothes shoes that's basically if there's a timeline here this is this is the point of manufacturing and out here is the landfill Mm -hmm. And the only thing that, that uh, is de debatable is how far does it take to travel from the point of manufacturing till it end, ends up in the landfill. When it's made here, bought by you here, worn for a period of time, thrown out into the landfill. And that's, 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 that's your linear, linear economy. And yeah. that's, uh, that's one of the things that... Uh, that's, um, I mean, it's hard to get everybody's attention on, on something that's so impactful on the environment that, you know, people here in the north would be going well that's somebody else's problem like so you know you have to yeah I, I, I'm only using a couple of bits of plastic here you know but it's um, but for, for, everybody has a, a part to play in this like yeah, you can't ignore it but you've 
we're, we're sitting here now and there's, I just looking around, I can see 20 different types of plastics and I don't have the f first idea of where to start if I was to, to responsibly and correctly yeah. recycle that plastic. Where does this go? Where does, where does that go? How does that jar there differ from, from that piece of plastic that's, that's uh, protecting the bread over there? Sure. You, you, it can't be done. It's, it's not a realistic expectation. People can't even be bothered to... Uh, to, to go go three ways with it, with it, with it, with their rubbish so uh, let yeah. alone this, this this is complicated and you've got um, her her influence Alexander's influence will be at the highest level because she's she's obviously um, that name can open doors that well, other Alex names just simply can't open Alexandra speaks at the World Economic Forum in Davos every yeah. year as a guest of the Canadian uh, Prime Minister that's the level we're talking about. So she is she is a global citizen with 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 a reach and inf and an influence which is unbelievable, and for something the size of my watch company to partner with somebody that influential and that significant is is the scoop of the century. There's no doubt about that. She's speaking at a very prominent event very soon as well. Yeah, she is at uh, the Web Summit in Portugal at the beginning of November. Yeah, and she was um, as you know there's. The, 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 there's, there's different uh, there's, there's different what, what do they call them tracks I think they call them different yeah. tracks so uh, there's, there's one called Planet Tech which uh, she spoke at last year and not only was she uh, the most downloaded uh, keynote at Planet, Planet Tech she was the most downloaded keynote period of the whole wow. web summit last year wow. so they wanted her back again and we're gonna we're gonna use the opportunity to launch uh Ocean's 2050, the collaboration uh, at that web summit, and then shortly after we'll introduce the first uh, watch from, from, from the collaboration between us. Yeah, that, that, that's impressive. I personally, I mean, I know that she's not really necessarily an influencer, these are brand ambassadors, but the credibility that, that the three brand ambassadors will bring, but this one is just extraordinary, that the power and the position that she has and the, yes. yeah, that's, that's quite something. Um, but this this whole Oceans twenty fifty was not uh, part of my agenda to begin with. But I've just I've I've just been bowled over by this because she she has a very good course and we'll be delighted to be part of it. And it's it, it reaches far beyond uh, flogging a few watches. It's, yeah. it's it's far bigger than that. It is no doubt. Yeah, that's no doubt at all. And she's coming into Belfast this evening. Yes, she is. She is. This will be her first time in Belfast. I'm guessing. Yes, it is. Yeah. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a meal tonight, and then we're gonna have a workshop actually with Big Motive. Big Motive were deeply involved in Ocean's Twenty. You can tell, like, yeah, we can yeah. imagine, yeah. And I, I, I would, uh, like, for people listening who haven't, you, uh, Damien would have been one of the. It was the very first podcast that that guest on the podcast. But um, take a look at the branding for the watch brand is just it's outstanding. You know, it's, it really is like it's very very befitting, and it's also. Um, something that Belfast and Ireland should be really proud of that something like this can can have its DNA in the in the streets of Belfast is yeah I'm um, I'm via via Denmark obviously sorry well yeah but uh, I'm half Irish now so it's <laughs> <laughs> indeed you are yeah indeed you are yeah um what else can we talk about here? Because we've been talking for 45 minutes and all this stuff that's really, really interesting. I, I think that the difficulty is that, um, you know, the, you, the brand needs to be seen and it's available only online, right? The watch is only available on, online currently. Yeah, but we get... Is, is that going to change? Yes, yes, it is. Because one of the things, and that's, um, that's my experience as well, I've looked at many watches over the years, uh, since the web came about and I've not once seen a photograph of a watch on a website that truly represented what the watch felt like on the wrist and basically yeah sort of the size of it the weight of it and all that and you can't convey that on uh, on a website you can sort of say okay, here's an arm this is a man he's wearing the watch but the way the watch is going to look on your arm is going to be different because yeah. each arm is unique and uh, the bone structure differs and uh, what you're used to and uh, so we have a lot of inquiries on a daily basis from people who want to know whether they can see and try the watch 
and we can't just keep ignoring that. We can obviously say to people, buy the watch, and if you don't like it, you can send it back. But that's that's at whilst that's not bad. It's still it's still uh, it would be better if there was somewhere you could you could see it and and, and, and and try it. And with Alexander coming on board, and with us having a completely different offering now, it's time to team up with some 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 high end. Uh, retailers that can help take this to market. Mike, as you and I have discussed to death over the years, um, selling by proxy is not easy and that's, that was always one of the challenges in Rockstar as well because we were quite capable of generating enthusiasm and interest in the product and in the brand but it's the transfer of that enthusiasm to, to the, the point next, of action to, to, to the next layer to say, okay, here's, yeah. here's a customer from, say, Cheltenham in England who's interested in this product. And um, I'm not in Cheltenham, I'm in Belfast, but I know a guy in Cheltenham who could probably go out and talk to this customer about it. And yeah. for me to brief this guy in Cheltenham to a level where he can talk about the product as I can, because I created the product, so I, I know it fairly well, and he doesn't. It's, it's a far cry, and not only is it, is, is, it, is it impossible to expect that he could represent the product as well as you could yourself, he might even, he might even be cheeky and say, do you know what, yeah, I'm here because of this product, because I know you're interested in this product, but over here, I have another product which I'm more comfortable with, and you basically, you teed up his business. Yeah. Uh, and uh, not your own. So you have hundreds of thousands of examples of that happening. Where yeah, but then yeah. it doesn't differ much when you go into the world of watches because you can take any any watch shop in just go in, into central Belfast and look around, and it looks like it looks like one big watch prison, a convention of, of, of watches being put on display like slaves almost. They're sitting there crying for attention. There's hundreds of watches in the same window. How the hell are you gonna know what what to get? Unless you know already what you're looking for, yeah. and how how can you expect somebody, a staff member of that watch store, to, to 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 truly represent and 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 truly sell what it is you're selling, especially if it's a brand that people don't know already? Because a Rolex is pretty much a done deal. I know what I'm looking for. I'm just looking for availability, and if I'm if I can squeeze a small discount out of it, it doesn't matter where the watch comes from, basically. Yeah. I can buy that online, I can buy it from Lunds, I can buy it from wherever I want to buy it, from Goldsmith or whatever. But this is different. So we have to strike a balance between having a strong online presence and having the product within reach of consumers. And one of the, one of the things we're toying with is sort of a, a hybrid because I'm not a retail expert by any stretch of the imagination, but it looks very much as if the world, if, if the year has 365 days, 60 days are worth being there for, and the 300 other days are just uh, loss making. You get days with very little business where you just have to stay open because you need to keep up appearances. Yeah. So, and ideally, the retailers would be open 60 days a year and be closed for the rest of it, but that's not the way the world works. But there is a way to actually achieve that. We did an interesting experiment a little while ago where we sort of compiled these are the 50 most in influential, interesting cities of the world. So the vision is to say, we want feet on the ground, somebody, a youngish person representing the, the brand in Rome, just to pick a random uh, city from that list, who brings the brand to life on social media, who has the products available to him locally, who does events, even pop-ups and so okay where, where do we want to be would it be smart to pop up a shop here for, for the two weeks in the run-up to christmas it probably would and that way you sort of have a guerrilla war going on where you say you got you you got the local uh you you can you can, you can rally the locals you can engage and, and excite the locals by being there because if you're sitting in rome chances are you never heard of my watch brand Chances are you never will. Mm -hmm. But now there's a local guy making a bit of noise. And not only does that take a brand that you might not be comfortable with buying from a website in Belfast, it sort of brings it into reach. You can you can you can feel it, you can touch it. And this guy seems credible. And you you're now more comfortable for him buying it. And they even they you can do events, it's a bit like it's a bit like it's a Tupperware show 
but for, for the, the good things that I have talked no, about. No, I, I, I get that. And, and just as you're, you're telling that story, if you, if you take a look at, um, you're obviously your tennis player, and you remember Agassiz being the brand ambassador for TAG, yeah. and his picture in National Geographic magazine, either the outside back cover, where DiCaprio might have taken it as his world, uh, his evangelical um, bit for environmental well-being. And if you take a look at Rolex doing the British Open, I think it is as well, or the tennis and the positioning of those brands yeah. against those uh, premier sporting events and the sheer cost of bringing the brand to market visually, never mind the distribution of the brand. Yeah. I mean, the rules have changed sufficiently now that you don't have to spend that type of money. You couldn't spend that type of money now. You couldn't compete with those people playing the same game. It just wouldn't happen. You, no. you, would, you, you could win 20 lotteries and spend all the money trying to get nowhere, and you'd achieve exactly that. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the one thing about this, me this medium, and we were just talking about you need to see the watch online you don't need to see the watch just online you need to hold it and feel it yeah. it's the audio visual kinesthetic and digital thing about people aren't always just into seeing things that's very tactile and a watch is how does it how does it sit in my arm and how do i like it and how does somebody else like it and yeah. you've got you've got all of those different things to to, to kind of to, to overcome but the, the the steps of the journey are already made you know yes it's it's in how long so it's august last year you've been not that that's that was the time but we we shipped the first watch six months ago, so... So from, from first watch went out six months ago to having Alexander Cousteau uh, parachute into Belfast tonight to discuss uh, Ocean's 2050, six months. Yeah. It's very slow. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, it is a slow process. <laughs> no, it's... That's uh, incredible. It's, yeah. And some of... The, we've, among the customers, have some... some uh, some high-profile names, so it's it seems we attract an audience which sort of splits uh, in, in two ways: younger people who are interested in sort of uh, the sort of the, the upcoming watch connoisseurs, the watch nerds, younger people who were fascinated by sort of the analog technology, and uh, and this is sort of this is this is an anchor back to sanity in in a world where everything's dictated by your smartphone. That's one category. But the biggest category are people with good watches, as I said. Yeah. They, they, this seems to have an appeal to people who already own good watches. And that, that must mean that, that, that the quality is, is half decent and that uh, it's an appearance that doesn't compromise your normal everyday Rolex appearance that, that yeah. people otherwise. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful piece of piece of kit there's no doubt about that and it, it's um getting the positioning of each of the different variations getting that positioning right will be will be critical mm -hmm. no doubt but we're just coming up to about 55 minutes um people that wanted to reach you hans it's enixonwatches.com yes and you're on instagram at enixonwatches yeah obviously yeah okay um so for anybody who's interested in um, taking a look at the products in greater detail, definitely go to the Instagram and uh, innocentwatches.com is the website where you can um, place your orders um, as we speak. So, um, yeah, listen, Hans, thanks very much. Um, really appreciate your time. I'd like to talk to you again in another six months maybe and yeah, see how that journey absolutely. has progressed. But good luck with um, tonight and good luck with the, the, the launch of Ocean's 2050. That sounds amazing too. So, Thanks very much. It was a pleasure. Yeah.